keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. It's the Feast of Our Lady of Mercy. Actually, that was yesterday, but I want to talk about her today nonetheless. Our the Lady of Mercy, the Order of Mercy, also known as the Royal Celestial and Military Order of Our Lady of Mercies and the Redemption of the Captives, was founded to ransom Christians held captive by Muslims. It was found in the early 13th century. St. Peter Nolosco was the first general grandmaster of the order. When his coffin was opened, he was found armed with his armor and sword. On August 1st, 1218, St. Peter had received a vision of Our Lady who told him to found the order. She held two bags of coins in her hands that were symbolizing the coins that were to be used in ransoming Christians in captivity. The order was titled the Order of Our Lady of Mercy for the Redemption of the Captives. The order had more knights than clerics at the time of its foundation. And in fact, the master general of the order was himself a knight and not a cleric. A very interesting thing that is uh, very unique to the order. The clerics primarily prayed the divine office, while the knights guarded the coast and were dedicated to the redemption of Christian prisoners. Now, the religious in the order, well, they dedicated themselves to prayer, especially for the knights, while the knights engaged in the dangerous mission of freeing the Christian captives. This balance between the prayer and action is an incredibly beautiful dynamic and something that I wish we would have more of today, a religious order praying for the active order, a something that is uh, lost in our current age. Now, St. Peter Nolasco was a lay warrior, and he was buried with his armor and sword, which demonstrate his commitment to the mission and the need for Catholic militancy. This kind of uh, pacifism that we have today is not a Catholic spirit. Now, the order was founded out of compassion for Catholic prisoners who were enslaved by the Moors in Spain, uh, the Moors being the Muslims. Now, these prisoners were exposed to the loss of faith. They were subjected to bad treatment, and often they were forced into immoral circumstances, which caused many to fall into immoral activities. Our Lady had this a great and beautiful smile on her face, which brought about this liberality and willingness to grant graces to those in need. The devotion to Our Lady of Mercy encourages a filial and a confidence-filled relationship with Our Lady. The original title in the order in Spanish refers to Nuestra Señora de la Mercedes, which is a, a merced is a favor that someone does for another. It's a gift that someone gives to someone else. The gift that she was promising were those prisoners' freedom from their captivity. The church lacks invocations enough to inculcate in us the idea of this liberality of Our Lady. She is disposed to give us amazing graces and to invite us to ask for them and to love her for the goodness that she shows us. So may this invocation open our souls to this type of filial and confidence-filled relationship with Our Lady that those warriors considered essential for their mission. Let us pray for this grace today. Our Lady of Mercy, pray for us. 
Uh, praise be to God. Good morning to you. Happy Monday. Uh, joining us right now is uh, not Rudy Carlos. Rudy is on vacation. He's hiking up the uh, great mountains of Colorado. Actually, he sent me a picture. He has a, there was a moose. He ran into a moose. I was like, oh, my goodness. Those things are way bigger than I thought they were. Uh, but filling in in his stead is Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Adrian. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. I'm glad to be here. Praise the Lord. Did you do anything exciting this weekend? I got tried to get ready for making my premiere uh, as newsman as taking Rudy home. taking Rudy Carlos's place on the radio show where well, let's see if we can um, maybe we'll end up replacing you with Rudy we'll replacing Rudy her. with me or the other way around yeah no yeah. no you with Rudy or Rudy with you yeah yeah there you go Rudy with you uh, we're gonna kick him to the curb where he's gonna come back from vacation and be like oh Rudy Brent did such a good job we're gonna actually have a replace you with him. Rudy already has a big job at the GRN, as That's we both know. That's true. He is a busy guy. So praise be to God. He is, I hope he's having a, a great a time on his vacation. Hope he's relaxed. Um, did you do anything fun on the weekend, though? I watched college football. I'm a big college football fan. Okay. Okay. Did, did your team win? My team did win. Oh, praise be to God. I heard the Texans are doing well, which is hasn't happened in a very long time. That's the rumor, anyway. I confess, I follow college ball, don't follow the NFL as much. That's okay. I, I was told uh, by a reliable source that the NFL was gay, um, and that was actually from the NFL. You remember that ad that they put out? And they were like, football is, and it had like a list of things, and it was like, football is gay. And I was like, I missed, oh, my goodness, why? Why would you do that? I missed that one, but uh, I'd, I'd like to see it sometime. I'll show it to you later. It was pretty uh, my dad, who's been lifelong NFL fan, watches football. He stopped watching as much. I mean, he said he he watches when he's uh, he. My dad's a firefighter, so he's like, I, I watch when I'm at the at the fire station when it's on TV. But we don't watch it at home anymore because uh, they literally put the NFL symbol in rainbow colors, and they're like, football is gay, the NFL is gay, and we're like, well, you said it, not me. So there you go. Uh, as, speaking of weekends, though, this weekend I spoke with a Cuban immigrant and was surprised with what he had to say about communism. We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Ohio abortionists are empty, attempting to deceive Catholics in Ohio. Very concerning. At 45 past the hour, a Dominican nun speaks in favor of homosexuals being able to marry in the Catholic Church. We'll talk about that at 45 past the hour. And in the next hour, why are Americans having fewer children than they want? This is very interesting conversation, so we'll talk about that in the next hour. Plus, Fear and Trembling Game Show will be here as well. It's going to be a great time, but let's begin in prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. Whatever it is that you have going on this week, we're praying for that. For the salvation of souls, liberty, and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. In a special way, I ask for prayers for my grandfather, that he be miraculously healed of his cancer, and for Emily Esserman, that she be healed of her liver problems. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. O Blessed Virgin Mary, Immaculate Mother of God, who didst endure a martyrdom of love and grief, beholding the sufferings and sorrows of Jesus, thou didst cooperate in the benefit of my redemption by thy innumerable afflictions, and by offering to the Eternal Father his only begotten Son, as a holocaust and victim of propitiation for my sins. I thank thee for the unspeakable love which led thee to deprive thyself of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, true God and true man, to save me a sinner. O oh, make use of the unfailing intercession of thy sorrows with the Father and the Son, that I may steadfastly amend my life and never again crucify my loving Redeemer by new sins. 
arid that, persevering till death in his grace, I may obtain eternal life through the merits of his cross and passion. Mother of love, of sorrow, and of mercy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. And now, your headline news with Brent Haynes. Your lawyer newsman. Pope Francis condemned abortion and euthanasia Saturday, saying the lives of the elderly should not be canceled, according to Crux and the National Catholic Register. The Holy Father made the comments on his flight from Marseille, France, back to Rome. The Pope had been in Marseille for a conference where he encouraged Europeans to be more welcoming of migrants crossing the Mediterranean. France is preparing a law on euthanasia, and French President Emmanuel Macron reportedly withheld details of the law until the Holy Father left France. The pontiff was asked if he had raised the issue with Macron during his visit, and the Pope said no, that he had previously told the French president that you don't play with life. In related news, bishops in Canada gather this week for their annual plenary meeting. Euthanasia is among the main issues the bishops are scheduled to address. Euthanasia is already legal in Canada, and a new law under the government of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will expand euthanasia starting next year by allowing legal euthanasia for mental health conditions. In the United States, euthanasia is technically illegal, but nine states and the District of Columbia allow assisted suicide. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom has vetoed a bill that would have required judges making custody and visitation decisions in family cases to consider whether a parent affirms their child's gender identity, a defeat for LGBTQ advocates and a victory for parental rights. Newsom has, in the past, supported virtually all pro-LGBTQ legislation. Newsom's veto of the law regarding custody decisions may be a sign that he is attempting to moderate his image for a run at the White House. In Washington, D.C., fellow Democrats are calling for Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey to resign. Menendez and his wife were indicted last week by a federal grand jury for bribery and conspiracy. Progressive Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez became the latest Democrat to call for Menendez to resign when she appeared on CBS's Face the Nation. In other Washington, D.C. news, in the U.S. Senate, a backlash is developing against Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's decision to eliminate the dress code. Last week, Senator Schumer unilaterally eliminated the dress code that required men to wear coats and ties on the floor of the Senate. The move was perceived as a concession to U.S. Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, who usually dresses in gym shorts and hoodies, requiring him to vote from the doorway to the Senate floor. The Hill reports that Schumer's actions have stirred a hornet's nest. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat like Schumer, is circulating a resolution to restore the dress code, and even Schumer's assistant leader, Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, questions Schumer's decision, saying the, saying the Senate should have standards. Speaking to The Hill, Senator John Cornyn, Republican of Texas, said, It's just ridiculous that we should have to conform the dress code to the lowest common denominator. Cornyn called the bipartisan group of senators who want to bring back the dress code the Coalition of the Rational. In election news, and a new ABC News Washington Post poll shows Donald Trump beating Biden 51 to 42 in the presidential race. The methodology of the poll, however, presented questions about Biden's performance before asking voter preference in next year's election, which could affect the results. And the Washington Post calls the poll an outlier since it is not consistent with many other polls. 
Turning to sports in college football, ninth-ranked Notre Dame scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to come from behind against sixth-ranked Ohio State, only to see Ohio State drive the field in the closing minutes and score the winning touchdown with one second to go. Final score, 17-14. to 14. And that's the news. Now, for the good news, back to Adrian. Hey, that's good. The good. Speaking of the good news, that's that's great. I like that. Now, the gospel today comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. And this is a passage about the lighting, not covering the candle, instead putting it, um, setting it out where people can see. And, you know, immediately everyone who ever went to a vacation Bible school or anything like that will remember this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And it, right, right. Everybody knows that. Now, what is this passage talking about? Cornelius Lapide commenting on this. And for if you anyone following along, if you're not going to be able to find his commentary in Luke, because this passage is also cited in Matthew and Mark. And so he does his commentary there and he doesn't repeat it in Luke. So if you want to go see his commentary, you have to jump to Matthew and Mark, just as for those who like to follow along. Now, a candle is not want to be hid under a bushel. It is placed on a high as a candlestick. So be ye, O ye apostles, who are placed on a higher step of office and dignity, that ye may enlighten all by your preaching and sanctity. Now what here is meant is that the light of the gospel was not to be shut up with the narrow confines of Judea, but to be placed upon the height of Rome, that it might illuminate all the subject nations. This shows that the gospel is not supposed to be hidden in our homes, but instead proclaimed in the public square, but also enshrined in our laws. It should be a law. The law of our country should reflect the law divine. Now, St. Gregory says, okay, well, why does our Lord say elsewhere that we should not do our works that others may see it? But then here he says that we should shine before all men. How does that, how does that work out? And those things seem to be contradictory. They clearly are not because our Lord doesn't contradict himself. For our Lord is forbidding us to do righteousness before man, thus we try to glorify ourselves. But instead, we do things in the public square to glorify God in order to show forth his glory. And this is why we often have critiques of us whenever we try to do public square rosary rallies. And then people will say, well, why don't you go pray in private? Well, because our Lord commanded us to let our light shine before men, not to show forth our own good works, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. This is very important to keep in mind. And lastly, before we run out of time here, I want to point out that this candle, we cannot be ashamed of that candle. We cannot be ashamed of the light of the gospel. Instead, we have to be proud of it. We have to show forth it to every person and let everyone know that we are Christians. Let everyone know that this is the way, the truth, and the life. This is what we have to do. And if we do not do that, well, too much was given. Much will be taken away. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable like mankind. Papa is excitable like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous like mankind. And so 
If we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Daddy Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday. It's 6.16 a.m. Central Time, 7.16 Eastern. Good morning to you. I hope you had a good weekend. What did you do this weekend? I'm wondering. Uh, let me know. If you would like to let me know, you can always hop on our social media feeds. I was talking with someone last week. Actually, Kim and Tony came into our studio on Friday afternoon, and uh, they were like, oh, I didn't realize that y'all live streamed the whole show online. Uh, so, yes, if you would like to see our beautiful faces, I've been told I have a face for radio. If you'd like to see our beautiful faces, you can always hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and hop on there, and you can always interact with us directly. We read the comments, and we talk to you at 30 past the next hour. And if you would like to join us, you can always see our beautiful faces. So good morning to you, to everyone who's tuning in, whether it be on Catholic Spirit Radio the Guadalupe Radio Network, or online. So God bless you. Now, this weekend, I had a really interesting conversation. So Saturday, I was invited to the Texas Right to Life uh, Gala, and I went to it, and it was really interesting. It was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, but the most interesting thing at the gala was actually a conversation I had with the bartender. So we were heading over to the, to the bar to grab a glass of wine. And while we were going to get that, we struck up a conversation with the bartender. And we asked him where he was from. And he was actually from Cuba. And so we were like, oh, that's very interesting. Um, what brought you to, to America? He was like, oh, well, uh, Cuba is horrifically communist. It's, just, it's, a, it's a horrible, horrible place. And so we had to escape. We had to come to America. And so we started asking him these questions about what it was like in, in Cuba and what it was uh, this kind of perception of Cuba by the American people. And one of the things that he brought up was the fact that Americans are convinced today that the whole communist Cuba thing is over. It's gone. There's no more embargo on, on Cuba. Therefore, everything is hunky-dory. But he made the point that that's not the case. They don't have free elections they don't have a free press, that everything is controlled by the government, everything. And then they're taxed completely out of, out of all their wealth, and the money is hidden all over the world. And so he said that this is, this is they simply are not a free nation. They're simply not a free nation. And yet most Americans do not perceive this. And he said he's concerned because so many people who are fleeing from communist countries or socialist countries – and so many Americans who have never experienced this are becoming communist. And that there are more and more Americans who are leaning communist every single day. And he told me, and I didn't even know that this was a thing, and I follow the news pretty closely. He said, in Florida, in Florida, there are books that are being read in elementary schools and middle schools about 
how Fidel Castro is a good guy. And they talk about how great Fidel Castro is in children's books. And he made the point that Fidel is a wicked and disgusting man. He's a wicked and disgusting man who killed people, murdered people, who had assassinations done out, who destroyed a nation. And he also made the point that Pope Francis said that he was good friends with Fidel Castro. And I had completely forgotten about this. And he's, uh, he was very, very hurt by this. Very hurt. How Pope Francis could go to Cuba and meet with Fidel Castro and then afterwards talk about how him and Fidel Castro are dear friends. He's like, how could that be? How, why would they do that? Why would they promote and be friends with a man who hates the Catholic Church, who hates God, and hates the God's teachings? He was very hurt by this. And I was very surprised because I had completely forgotten about that. As soon as he I looked it up, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. That was a few years ago when that happened. That kind of uh, took off on the news for a little bit. It kind of died down. And I was like, well, that's, it is pretty tragic. It's a pretty tragic situation. And the question is, how does this happen? How does something like this happen in a country like Cuba? Because if you remember, Cuba was a very successful country. It was a wealthy country. It had many resources. Life was good. And he was telling me this. He said, yes, uh, we, it, was, it was so nice. Cuba was so nice. You had... We had everything we needed. We, the Cubans don't need much to be happy. We're, we're by the water. We have good weather. It's a let, live and let live. Everything is so, is so calm. And so there was a lack of vigilance. Things were easy. Things were nice. We were comfortable. And so we lacked vigilance. When we started seeing the elements, the beginnings, the rumblings of revolution in Cuba... Nobody stood up. Nobody fought back. Instead, they rolled over. They didn't fight back until it was too late. They waited until things were so bad that every time there was a counter-revolution, they were crushed by the government. Every single time. To the point that people are swimming across from Cuba to America. He made the point, too. He says, all these people talk about how great communism is in America, how great socialism is, yet you don't see people uh, swimming across the ocean to get to Cuba. But you do see people swimming across the ocean to get to America. You don't see people fleeing America to get to communist countries all around the world. But you do see the opposite. You do see the opposite. And he says, what, if America falls, where do you go? He says, I fled Cuba. If America becomes communist, where am I going to go? I can't go to Canada. Canada's already ahead of the game. I can't go to Mexico because Mexico is heading in that direction as well. So where do I run? If America falls, what is left? We have to be vigilant. We're already too late to stop the, the spread of it. It's already been spread across America. But... We can be counter-revolutionaries today. We can speak out against it today. We can still have effect today before it's too late. 
and people would say, oh, you're fear-mongering. Oh, no, this will never happen. That's what they thought in Cuba. That's what they thought in Argentina. That's what they thought in Poland. Every single one of these countries, they thought the same thing. This could never happen here. Oh, no way. Not in my country. Not in my city. Not my police chief. Not my sheriff. Well, everybody says that until it is you. Until it happens to you. And we're going to keep running away. Uh, yes, I, I agree. We got to get away from these places that are dangerous. But if we all keep fleeing, then they're going to keep winning. If everybody leaves the place that they're, they're at and runs away, how could we ever win? How could we ever win? People need to stand up and fight back. Whether that be in public square rosary rallies, whether it be political protests, whether it be speaking at Congress, speaking in the Senate, speaking in the House, speaking at local events, running for school board, running for sheriff. All these things are elements that we have to get engaged in. Yes, of course, there is no political solution that will ultimately save the day. However, however, we can make small victories. We have to rely on Our Lady to ultimately bring us the full victory. We cannot bring the full victory ourselves, but we can make small victories. We can take small steps in the right direction. And we can try to keep us from becoming a communist nation. Because that's what's coming. That's what's coming. And it was very enlightening to talk to this, to this man who has escaped from Cuba and is sharing how his, what his experience is, what his thoughts were about where America is headed. He was surprised at how, how insane things are in America. So, nonetheless, this is what we need. This is what we need, and there are so many stories that I could share with you about this, but let's, let's talk to people like this. And one good thing about this is that right on the heels of this, Catholic Vote reported that Hispanic voters are leaving Democrats for Republican Party. Now, obviously, neither party is great, but the Democrat Party is anti-God. It's an anti-God party. The Republican Party has many issues, including the fact that they basically are fine with gay marriage now and things like that. But they're definitely better than the Democrat Party. Now, Catholic Vote, talking about this, said that 40 to 50% of Hispanic voters are currently backing Biden. Now, this sounds like a lot, but that's actually down from 65% in 2020. That is a massive blow to their numbers. A 15 to 25% decrease in support. This is according to the national polls from the New York Times and Siena College. Now, another other racial minorities in the U.S. are also getting away from the Democrat Party, but the numbers that are most significant were the Hispanics. And this is very, very interesting because an additional poll from Libra Initiative, a nonprofit dedicated to, quote, empowering and studying American Hispanics, found that 84% of Latino households were negatively impacted by inflation. And 42% said it will only get worse in the next year. And I was thinking, how are Hispanics particularly affected by inflation rather than your average person? And one of the things they pointed out was that Hispanics and Latinos are more likely to have jobs that require them to drive, for instance. 
a lot of people will work at an office and just sit in their office all day, or many will work from home, things like that. Whereas Latinos and Hispanics will typically work in like work in places that require them to drive to job sites, things like you. We have a stereotype of mowing yards or doing yard work that requires driving, and so the increase in gas prices disproportionately affect Hispanics. And I was like, oh yeah, that that makes sense actually. And so things like this are happening more and more. And Hispanic people are waking up and realizing they've been lied to. That the quote-unquote Bidenomics is actually hurting Hispanic families. It's actually hurting their families. And and that's the thing. Hispanics tend to have very family-oriented values. They tend to have a lot of Catholic values. And then they're told that the Democrat Party is the party that ha- that is compassionate. They're told the Democrat Party is the one that's going to help you. And so one of the things that are good is sending the these uh, this busing program to different Democrat cities, showing their true face that they don't actually like immigrants. They just want them in Republican places. And so what are they seeing? They're realizing that the Democrat Party is anti-family. They're realizing they want to trans the kids. They want to take your kids from you. They want to tax you out of existence. They want to increase your energy cost. And Hispanics are saying, why, why are we Democrats again? I remember there was a great book written by Jesse Romero. It was Knocked Off the Donkey, how he was a lifelong Democrat and, and switched parties because of how insane it was, how crazy they got. So it's very, very interesting. School choice, that's another one. That's a big thing among Hispanics because a lot of them end up living in, in affordable apartments and they would like to send their kids to better places. So that's another thing that they... Uh, are not liking about the Democrat Party. So it's good to see, but we have to be vigilant because the more and more we see the Communist Party rising up, we have to squash its ugly head. We'll be right back with more Ohio abortionists attempt to deceive Catholics. We'll be right back. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helped them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. And these are your headline stories. 
United Nations adopts a resolution to protect reproductive rights during the next pandemic, reports the National Catholic Register. The United Nations passed a resolution on pandemic preparedness and a section in the resolution focused on equality that includes a commitment by states to protect reproductive rights, which of course means abortion, according to reproductive rights advocates. In February, the United States UN ambassador specifically requested that the language be included, part of the Biden administration's widespread advocacy for abortion. In England, a woman who was arrested twice for praying silently outside an abortion facility has received an apology from the police and an assurance that she will not be prosecuted for violating a local, a local buffer zone, according to the National Catholic Register. Isabel Vaughan Spruce, is the director of March for Life UK and has prayed outside abortion facilities for 20 years. In Washington, D.C., the impasse over the federal budget continues with a government shutdown looming on October 1st, the beginning of the new federal fiscal year. A small number of conservative congressmen are holding out for greater concessions before agreeing to any kind of funding bill. In other news, the ABC News Washington Post poll showing Donald Trump beating Biden by 51 to 42 in the presidential race has other bad news for President Biden. 54% of Americans say they've become worse off financially under Biden's presidency, the most for any president in an ABC Post poll since 1986. The poll results also show continued disapproval for Biden's handling of the border and that three out of four voters think he is too old for a second term. In economic news, Bank of America reports that investors withdrew more money from the stock market last week than any week this year, according to Markets Insider. Bank of America analysts say this move signals a greater likelihood of a hard landing for the economy and that the stock market is more likely to pop and bust in the first half of 2024. That's your news. Now back to Adrian. Thank you very much, Brent, for keeping us up to date. Did you pull out of the uh, the stock market? You know, they pay me so well in government service, for <laughs> Adrian. Really? It's in, so you so you didn't pull out. You're like saying that uh, you're I all good. I wish I had plenty of money so that I could pull some out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you go, folks. I guess uh, Brent isn't uh, isn't on the uh, in the stock market. I guess. It's it's okay. The stock market. It's I'm kind of I'm kind of conflicted on whether or not the whole uh, there was like a debate among Catholics a few months ago about whether or not it was uh, moral to be uh, investing in the stock market, and I was like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know how I feel about it to be honest. And investing in the stock market in general, or in companies that engage in morally. reprehensible activity such as abortion promotion correct that the latter but the the problem being that most people just invest in like broad market index funds that's right And so they're like you're going to be investing in bad companies and so it's like then the question is uh, so do you just if you invest in the stock market do you just only invest in companies that you you have to pick and choose your stocks and then people are like oh but then everybody knows that pick and choosing stocks is how you lose in the stock market because just the chance of you picking the right ones is not likely very not likely the safe thing to do is just invest in everything and there's there are people who are saying oh you don't do that and there's the catholic index funds that people created uh, but 
the Lepanto Institute, I think it was. I think it was Lepanto Institute. I could be wrong about that. It did an investigation on that, on those index funds. And they're not, they're not, they're not, they don't vet, uh, they vet abortion, but they don't vet almost anything else. And so that you could still be investing in, in bad things. And so now I'm like, hmm. Well, know. part of the problem is it, it's not just abortion. Let's look at the trans ideology issue. Yep. Part of the problem is that, of course, if you're going to invest, you're investing in large corporations because that's where the investments are available or in mid cap corporations. There are a lot of small businesses you can invest in. But by and large, they're following the, the mid-caps and the large corporations in many of their policies. And the human resources departments are one of the areas that social revolutionaries, just to call them for what they are, you were talking about the growth of Marxism in the last half hour, they've not only achieved wide influence in the media, they've not only achieved wide influence in entertainment, they've not only taken virtual control of the educational system from preschool through college and graduate school, they very wisely, from their point of view, very strategically, have taken control of most of the human resources departments at large corporations. So we see as consumers, of course, it's not just a matter of investing, but as consumers, do we shop at these places? You know, it's, you have to go out of your way to avoid shopping at someplace like Target or Walmart. You know, that's difficult. And we saw the Target had a backlash earlier this year. Well, uh, same thing on the investing side. As you said, though, there are funds that, thanks to a free market, if you wanted to, Adrian, if you decided to give up a career in radio, you could go get your Series 6, you know, your Series 7 license, all of that. You could go become a broker, and you could advise people, and you could invest in, you could identify investments that are. I think I found my calling in life. I, I think yeah. maybe you have. Because I, I will do the rest of my life just investigating company. That sounds so boring. I'm, I hope somebody does it, uh, but I, that is not. That sounds so boring. No. Oh, man. As somebody who's done a lot of boring work, um, I, I can see how it would be interesting to some people. <laughs> I've done some pretty some boring work myself. Yeah. But, the, but it, that's where the theologians and the philosophers, of course, get into the discussions of remote and material cooperation with the evil. And that's where we should be grateful that the Catholic Church does think these things through and has a sophisticated and logical way of analyzing these moral questions. And we can take advantage of that rich intellectual history and we can apply that to our decisions in life. Um, That really can't be said for all religious traditions out there. Well, speaking of Catholic religious traditions and using Catholic religious traditions, uh, the Ohio, this uh, Ohio abortion company has decided to make an ad supporting abortion and used the Catholic faith as a, I don't know how to say, maybe a, a means to do so. Uh, Taylor has that clip for us. Uh, let's see if we can play that right now. When we face personal medical decisions, we depend on our doctors, our faith, our family. And the last thing we want is government making those decisions for us. That's why voting yes on one is so important. It ends Ohio's extreme abortion ban, a ban with no exceptions for rape or incest. Issue one even protects birth control and emergency care from miscarriages. So Ohio families will always have the freedom to make the most personal of decisions. Vote yes. So if you were listening and you were not watching, uh, you weren't able to see it. But in that advertisement that the that these pro-abortion company was trying to play, they included a scene where a person was at a chapel praying 
with the divine mercy image behind them. And they were so basically trying to imply that this is, this is the Catholic principle. It is a faith principle to vote yes to allowing for abortion. Very concerning. And I was very pleased that the Ohio Catholic Conference came out and condemned the advertisement. So praise be to God, that usually never happens. So I was like, way to go, Catholic Conference. And even the Bishop of Columbus came out and spoke against it. So praise be to God, way to go, Bishop Earl Fernandez. I think we should definitely give a thumbs up and and give a, a clap on the back to uh, bishops and priests when they do good things. And so the Ohio Catholic Conference strongly condemned the advertisement that utilized Catholic imagery to endorse a pro-abortion ballot initiative. The conference expressed significant concern about this ad and misrepresents both the proponent proposed amendment and the Catholic Church's support for pregnant women indeed in need. Okay, here's the thing. We have to speak out against this and we have to speak about it often and publicly and many times because this is going to confuse people. This is why they did it. They did it in order to confuse people. They're saying, vote yes to this amendment because this is the compassionate thing to do. We don't want those extreme laws. Vote yes. They're trying to confuse you. The correct answer is to vote no. That's the correct answer. Because to vote yes means that you support abortion. To vote no means that you do not support abortion. That's what that means. To put it simply, they always play this game where they try to word things in the most confusing way possible. They try to present the bill, present the amendment, present the law, whatever it is that they're trying to pass. They always try to present it the most confusing way possible to try to get people to be fooled into voting for the wrong things. For example, there was a poll that came out saying, do you support gender-affirming care? Now, if you're somebody who's normal, who doesn't follow the news 24-7, you may read that poll and say, well, of course I support gender-affirming care. If a man thinks he's a woman, we should affirm him in his real gender and say, no, young man, you're actually a man and not a woman. That's gender-affirming care, right? No, it's not. The exact opposite is the truth. Gender-affirming care means to mutilate someone's body. So if you said it that way, how many people would still support it? The same thing here. So we have to speak out against these and explain what these things are. So the correct answer is vote no on the amendment coming up in November in Ohio. Let's pray for those pro-life communities in Ohio that they be able to support and get the message. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. So, for sure, before we jump into uh, this different topic, I wanted to just recap. Praise be to God in Columbus, the Bishop Earl Fernandez criticized this Ohio Amendment ad saying that it is an assault on human life and family values. Father Patrick Schultz, Father Daniel Dury, among others, vocally oppose this amendment as describing it as demonic and urge Catholics to reject it. So uh, we'll move on to the, from another story. But I do, if you know anybody from Ohio, please uh, reach out to people in Ohio. Tell them vote no. November, I think it's November 7th, if I'm not mistaken. November 7th, reach out to anybody and everybody you know in Ohio. Say vote no on November 7th. And... If you're in Ohio, do whatever you can to, to do advocacy. Help out these pro-life groups. Um, this is why it's important that we uh, are now um, are not giving up the fight because we think that uh, just because Roe v. Wade was overturned that everything is hunky-dory and we can now sit on our laurels. No, the enemy, the devil, whenever he is smashed, he likes to throw out and jerk around and flail and have a last attack before he is put down. So we have to be vigilant, and we have to fight back, and we have to go on the offensive. And in, uh, in Texas, we can go on the offensive. In Ohio, they're on the defensive. And so let's uh, pray for, for those communities that are up there. Uh, but also, we have to pray for our own communities as well and keep fighting for life. Uh, the, game is, uh, the game is not over. We're still in the fight. Now, the National Catholic Register had this very concerning article out. Uh, not concerning because of the Catholic Register, just the article is concerning. Uh, Dominican nun speaks in favor of homosexuals being able to marry in the Catholic Church. Yikes. So, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I love the Dominican order. I love Dominicans. I love the Dominican order. And it breaks my heart to see Dominican sisters, Dominican nuns, blaspheme Almighty God, blaspheme the teachings of the church, commit this grave sin in the public square. Absolutely concerning. Breaks my heart. I pray for this sister that she repent and return to St. Dominic. St. Dominic, pray for the Dominican order. What would St. Dominic say? What would Catherine of Siena say if they met this sister who claims to be a Dominican? A Dominican sister, Lucia Karam, who lives in Spain but is Argentinian, said during a recent television program that she is in favor of homosexual couples being able to, quote, marry in the church, end quote. In the show called Suentes Chinos, or Tall Tales, host Jorge Javier Vasquez, who is an openly homosexual, asked the religious, would you be in favor of gays getting married in the church? To which the nun responded, I would be in favor of gays getting married in the church because God always blesses love. Now, I cannot wait for somebody to tell me that this is a translation error. Please, please tell me this is a translation error. In a previous comment, Sister Karam also noted, 
my best friend is gay. He's Juan Carlos Cruz, who is a global LGTBI leader. I guess that's probably the LGBTQ equivalent in Spain. That's my guess. Cruz is a Chilean activist and a victim of sexual abuse by the late Fernando Cardima, who a priest who was dismissed from the clerical state. In March of 2021, Cruz was appointed by Pope Francis as a member of the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors, chaired by the Archbishop of Boston, Cardinal Sean O'Malley. When asked if two men who had this is this part right here is what got me the most, and uh, just uh, be prepared. It's a little it's a little gross. Uh, she says here, when asked if two men who have sexual relations would be committing sin, Sister Karam said, I am not anyone to say that someone commits sin in anything. I think each person knows to commit a sin. It is very complicated to want to do wrong. I am nobody to condemn you. And Jesus said we should not condemn anyone. So I would not condemn or say this is a sin or this is not a sin. Not about anyone. If they love each other, what? So he, then she was asked. The nun was asked, "Would you recommend two homosexual people to have sexual relations?" That was the question. Do you recommend that homosexuals have sexual relations? She says, "Quote: If they love each other, what do you want me to tell you? They do not have the vow of chastity that I have. This is absolutely disgusting." She's promoting sodomy. She's promoting sodomy in the public square as a Catholic nun. Absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgusting. I am not anyone to say anyone commits a sin in anything. There are no sins anymore. So if someone's murdered somebody, it's no, don't condemn them. Oh, you, I can't judge them. They just murdered somebody. Of course we can. Of course, we can judge whether or not somebody is committing a sin. Now, can we judge the state of their soul? No, of course not. We can't know what's going on in their head and their mind. But we can judge that they what they did was sinful. Because what is a sin? A sin has to be grave matter. You have to have full consent. You have to have full knowledge, right? For it to be a mortal sin. But for there to be a venial sin, any one of those can be missing. And it can be a venial sin. So at the very least, at the very bare minimum, it's a venial sin. It's grave matter. At the bare minimum, but almost certainly it's mortal sin because this is according to natural law. Everybody knows that sodomy is bad. How do they know? Because it's physically damaging to the human person. Sodomy is one of the sins that cry to heaven for vengeance, which is why I always say, I don't say gay. I say sodomites because I'm not concerned with people who are tempted to be able to commit sins. I am concerned with people who are committing the sins. And the sin that they're committing is a sin of sodomy. And that's a sin. So there are sodomites. And I just like someone who steals is a thief, people who commit homosexual acts are sodomites. And this is intrinsically disordered according to the catechism of the Catholic Church. This is absolutely contrary to the natural law. This cannot be supported. And let me just ask, if... If it was me and I said, oh, I would like to fornicate. I'd like to have sexual relations with a woman outside of marriage. Would everybody say, oh, Adrian, you know, we can't expect. You don't take a vow of chastity like I do. So therefore, go sleep with whoever you want. Or is it just okay because it's uh, there are sodomites? So it's okay for sodomites to do it, but it's not okay for other people to do it. I, I wonder what she would say to that. 
I guess she might say the same thing. She said she wouldn't judge for any sin is what she said. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgraceful. What would St. Dominic say? What would Catherine of Siena say? Absolutely disgraceful. Finally, we go on. And, oh my goodness. After the nun's response, the host of the program stated with Sister Karam ought to be, that she ought to be the Pope. To which she replied, no. With Francesco, we are very well. We have the best Pope in history. Very interesting. Very interesting. You know, they say you can know somebody by the friends they keep, and you can know somebody by their enemies. Who are your enemies and who are your friends? And I'll tell you who you are. Now, when asked by ACI Presna, CNA's Spanish-language news partner, source of the Order of Preachers in Spain, exclaimed, the friars of Spain do not have any type of legal or canonical authority over the sisters. Sister Lucia's opinions or her statements are not in the name of the order. They are personal. Well, at the very least... Could you come out and condemn it? Could you say this is not according to Catholic teaching? Could you say that it's not simply her opinion, but it is wicked and evil, what she said? Absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. And here's the worst thing. This nun is not Catholic. It's not Catholic at all. Not only does she reject the moral teachings of the church, but in 2017, on a television program, she was questioned about the principal dogma about Mary, the mother of God. And the sister said she understands that it is, quote, very difficult to believe to adhere to the issue of Mary's virginity. She said that the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph and Mea Culpa for even reading this out loud had the relations of a normal couple, which involved, quote, having sex and having the normal relationship of a couple, end quote. This is a blasphemy. This is a blasphemy against the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is a blasphemy against St. Joseph. This is a blasphemy against our Lord Jesus Christ. This is absolutely wicked. Absolutely disgusting. This has to be condemned utterly and completely. And it's one thing when Protestants blaspheme Our Lady and blaspheme Our Lord. It's one thing when atheists blaspheme our Lord and our Lady, but a bride of Christ, a woman who claims to dedicate her life to Almighty God, it blasphemes the mother of him who she has dedicated her life to, who she claims that she dedicated her life to. Well, these are the sins that our Lady weeps over, the five blasphemies against our Lady, against her divine maternity and against her perpetual virginity. How can somebody think that they can be saved while they insult the Blessed Virgin Mary? Whenever people talk about things, I always want to know, are you a God-fearing person and do you love Our Lady? If you can check those two boxes, you're somebody that I can trust. Because if you fear God, you're probably not going to do anything bad to me because you'll be afraid of your punishment before Almighty God. And if you love Our Lady more than you love me, then I know that I can trust you to, do, to not hate me, to, to do the will of Our Lady. But someone like this, who hates Our Lady, who hates the teachings of the church, I can't trust you. I can't trust you for anything. This is absolutely disgusting. And I pray that St. Dominic come down and appear to this so-called nun and show her the errors of her way. That Catherine of Siena show up into this woman's life 
and show her the error of her ways. Can you believe accusing Our Lady of violating her perpetual virginity? Accusing Our Lady of violating the fact that she is the most faithful spouse of the Holy Ghost. And accusing St. Joseph of unchastity. And accusing St. Joseph of not protecting what was entrusted to him. St. Joseph was given the Blessed Virgin to protect. And you're saying that instead of fulfilling his duty that was given to him by Almighty God, he failed in that and instead was incapable of controlling himself. It makes me question about her own personal life, to be honest. If you have the mindset that the Blessed Virgin could not have been a virgin, that St. Joseph couldn't be a virgin, that it's so difficult, it's so impossible to call somebody to chastity, to celibacy, I question, I question you. If you can't, if Our Lady can't do it, then how could anybody? If St. Joseph couldn't do it, how could anybody? This is very, very concerning and absolutely wicked, absolutely evil. So let's make acts of reparation today. Let's pray the rosary for this nun. Let's pray the rosary that all people be shared the truth of the gospel, that they not be caught up with these trends, these fads of society. And let's stand up and defend Our Lady always and everywhere. We'll be right back with more right after this. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word. For progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. 
But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's... Hi, this is Coach Kimball from Arrows and Straight Jesuit Rugby. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. And we are back. Welcome to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. What a blessing to be here. Now, you know... (laughs) There are always uh, great stories out there. Uh, we were just chatting and uh, behind the scenes about Our Lady and the, and Brent was sharing me with me about the fact that uh, his experience of becoming Catholic. I, I mean, I've always been Catholic, so this idea of Our Lady has I've always had such an admiration of Our Lady. Thanks to my mom, I'm very grateful to my mom. But <laughs> Brent was sharing me. He was like, "Look, the whole thing with the perpetual virginity of Mary." I didn't struggle with even when I was a Protestant. Uh, do you want to share with that, uh, Brent? Yeah, to me, that just seemed logical, just seemed natural. When something as extraordinary as what happened to Mary happens, you know, first, an otherworldly creature appears to you, an angel. Second, he tells you you're going to be pregnant and not through natural means, something extraordinary. The whole, you know, the Holy Spirit will, co- you know, overshadow you in some translations. And third, by the way, this child you're going to have, no big deal, just the Son of God. I think it, it really shows a lack of, of imagination or a lack of, of the ability of these people, such as this sister, to imagine, to put themselves in Mary's place or to even try to imagine what it was like. And then there's Joseph, who himself has not one but two, and he has one before they, they're formally married, you know, while they're betrothed. He's going to set Mary aside, right? We know that from the gospel. But what happens? He gets a message. I I wish the Lord spoke to me that clearly. And so after all of that, the, the Son of the Most High comes into the world through supernatural means. And we're supposed to believe that they just discard all of that and this has no effect on their behavior, no effect on their perception, no effect for their appreciation of something outside our daily material existence. Despite these supernatural phenomena, many supernatural phenomena which have occurred in their lives, the appearances of angels, the messages, the extraordinary supernatural birth, um, these people, it's as if they just don't appreciate who Jesus was. Yeah. I, and I'm when I hear these kinds of things, I also I, I'm curious to know whenever, especially when I hear about uh, you know certain bishops or priests who are starting to get a little heterodox, to put it politely. The first question I always wonder is, do they believe in the real presence? Mm. And it might seem unrelated, but you know there's a harmony to Catholic teaching. There's a coherence, and I wonder, you know, how far does that apostasy st- extend? But I never had a hard time as a Protestant, to me, believing in the perpetual virginity. To me, it was just perfectly natural. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you say it that way, because it's kind of the same thing I feel about people who have apparitions of Our Lady. If somebody has an apparition of Our Lady or Our Lord, and then they go from the celibate state, because it happened to them before they were married, 
and then they go on and get married later on, I'm always like, that eh, seems very suspect because if the most beautiful woman who ever lived appears to you and gives you a message and calls you to a life of holiness and then you choose to live in the world, I'm thinking, dude, what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. Like, if I, that happened to me, there's no way I could settle for a for a, a worldly life and to live a life of uh, having children whenever you could dedicate yourself completely to Almighty God. That just absolutely is mind-blowing to me that that could happen. It's, it's unimaginable to me. And so whenever I hear about stories of, of people who have had apparitions and then they go on and live a normal life later on, I'm thinking... Your mm, your story is a little bit suspect. Uh, by your fruits, you shall know them, right? And I'm always thinking. I think that way. Same thing applies to the nth degree with the stories like this. Uh, but on the same vein of speaking of having children, there is an article out with Crisis Magazine. Why are Americans having fewer children than they want? Uh, this is very interesting, and something that uh, I think is. There is just a lot to it. There's a lot to it. There is this article came, this um, study came out saying that your average American still say two to three children is the is what they want, is the ideal family size. Uh, there has actually been an increase in number of those who say that they want three or more children, uh, which is positive. However, the birth rate continues to decline. So why is that? If the birth rate is declining... And the amount of Americans say they want two to three children and more people are saying that they even want more than three children. Well, how does that make sense? Now, there was an article that was sent to me by a friend of mine yesterday, actually. It came out in April, but they, I just saw it yesterday. 45% of women are expected to be single and childless by 2030 by per recent projections. Morgan Stanley estimates that 45% of women in their prime working years, ages 25 to 44, will be single and childless by the time 2030 arrives. This is very concerning. This is very concerning, and this is, is, is I'm sure, one element to why there is this disassociation. Women are being told to put off marriage. They're told to put off having kids. And then men are looking for looking for a wife, and they can't find any. They can't find women who want to be mothers and wives, to be homemakers. These women want to live their life now and then sometime down the road have kids. And they kind of realize it too late. I mean, if you're 44 years old and you want to start having kids, good luck. And definitely good luck on having the amount of kids that you want. Maybe you'll get lucky and have one or two. But three or more? Oh, it's good luck. And the other problem here is that there was a, in the same article by Eva Magazine, it said the birth replacement rate is already trending below replacement. And survey shows that women who are unmarried and childless tend to struggle more with mental illness and feelings of self-confidence. Now, I really dislike the word mental illness. I really do not like that word. Because mental illness sounds like it's something that you catch. You, you get a disease. Something's wrong with you. Uh, whereas, if, if it's the case that unmarried and childless women struggle more with mental illness, 
Is there something about having kids that inoculates you to mental illness that cures depression and things like that? No, that's not the case. Uh, Because what is meant here is that a man was not meant to be alone. And this goes for women as well. We're not meant to be alone. And so whenever we try to go about it, being unmarried and childless, yeah, you're going to have depression. You're going to be sad. You're going to struggle because you're living your life for yourself. And if you live a selfish life, you're going to struggle with mental illness. How many? It's so it's so mind-blowing to me. You see uh, mothers who are stressed out, tired, worn to the to their end, but they're happy. And they're not struggling with mental illness. Then you see single women who are 30 years old, 29 years old, who are taking mental health days that are going to the spa, getting massages, going to Pilates, doing the yoga classes, getting brunch, and yet they still need to go see a therapist. Why? How is that possible? You live the most comfortable and easy life imaginable, and yet you're still unhappy. Why? You may think you're happy, but you just fill your life, your time with all these things, and yet you still have mental health problems. How is that possible? How does that happen? It's because we need family. We need to have kids. And the problem is the dating pool, it becomes so diluted now, especially for young, for young men or for any men. And many men end up not getting married. It's a very scary world out there. And women divorcing their husbands. There's a huge trend of divorced by 30. So now men are afraid. They're afraid of getting into these relationships. And I know, I mean, this is a, I mean, it's a real situation. It becomes very difficult. I mean, my sister's looking to, uh, to wants to get married. Um, many of my friends are looking to get married and they're like, where do we find, where do we find these people? Where do we go to find a wife or a husband? I mean, we know it's not going to be easy, but it becomes very difficult. And people have this mentality that they, they need to have so much to have kids. They need to be super wealthy. They need to be able to throw a lavish uh, birthday parties. They need to take trips to Disney World. They need to do all these things, spend so much money to, for their kids to be happy. It's not the case. And I know I don't have kids. People would immediately attack me. They're like, you don't have kids, Adrian. You're not married. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, I suppose. Uh, but I have friends who are married. In fact, most of my friends are married. That's giving me uh, uh, baby fever, giving me a wedding fever. Um, but I have uh, my friend Timothy. He doesn't have any technology at his house at all. He's a flip phone. He doesn't have a computer at home, doesn't have a TV at home, and he, he has one kid and his wife's pregnant with the second, and they're happy. They don't need all that to keep their kid happy, to keep their kid entertained. They don't need to hand off, babysit the kid with the television. Obviously, it's more difficult because it's easy. You, you turn the TV on, you get a, a little respite of peace and quiet, right? But is it worth it? Is it worth it to put your kids in front of the television and get them brainwashed by Nickelodeon and Disney who hates your children and wants to destroy their lives and their souls? Is it worth it? I would argue no. So certainly a real and concerning situation. Brand, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, there are obviously a lot of reasons that contribute to this, but, you know, two come to mind. One is uh, the message out there that is, you know, well-known, almost unconsciously known by people these days, uh, which came in with the first wave of feminism, that women could have it all. You know, women could enter the workforce. They could achieve what men achieve. They could put off marriage or maybe choose to get married if they wanted to. Women could have it all. And the reality is you, you can't be pregnant and giving birth and be at the office. Yep. Now, I work in an area where there are a lot of young women and they are married and they are having children. And when the time comes, they take family leave. And that's fine. They then come back at a certain point and they continue with their careers. Now, it leads to another issue about motherhood and raising parents and, and child care. But there's that message that women can have it all. And now, after about 50 years, you know, women have learned the hard way that they can't. You know, you do have to make choices. The other message is that somehow part of that message is that somehow it's wrong if women choose to be a mother to be a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom mm-hmm. and not to go out and try to be the professional career woman. I remember a few years ago there were a few stories about, you know, women who were quietly dropping out of the workforce to be stay-at-home mothers. Uh, and every now and then you'll see a news story like that. But there's that messaging and social messaging in our culture, and any culture is very strong. That's what helps can inform and conform behavior. The second issue is we are a materialistic society. I am grateful that I live in the wealthiest society, you know, the wealthiest country on earth. I'm grateful for the material advantages it gives us. And for people who are, you know, really wealthy, they're even, they're that much better able to contribute uh, to the church and to the material works, you know, provide for the material works. Uh, People who need those material goods to go out and and do uh, works of charity and works of mercy. But the reality is that on a day-to-day basis, your typical American is thinking of, you know, a bigger house, a newer car, a bigger TV screen. They're thinking along those lines. I was driving down the street earlier this summer, and I saw uh, a man who looked to be like, I don't know, maybe 30 or so. He was driving a convertible. Nice car. I wish I had a convertible. I don't envy him that. And he had the largest flat screen TV I'd ever seen in his tiny back seat sticking up. He had he could not possibly put his hood up because he had a screen. Now look, I don't begrudge him that. But my point is that the focus becomes the acquisition of material wealth mm. and not the focus on the emotional and spiritual issues in life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, on that happy note, we're gonna, speaking of material life, uh, we have a prize to give away. We're going to jump into fear and trembling where we're going to give out prizes and you could be a winner. That number, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Call now. We have a prize to give away, and you could be the person to get that prize. How do you win? 877-757-9424. Call now. That number, 877-757-9424. We'll see you on the other side. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. 
But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Years ago when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. How do you do so? It's really simple. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. That call that number and you could be the contestant. Now it's really simple how you play the game. Here I have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead I'm going to ask uh, Brent, the questions. I almost said Rudy. I'm going to ask Brent the questions. Brent's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Now, the winner this week will get a prize, but I'm going to be honest. Uh, Rudy's on vacation and he, uh, he organized a sponsor for this week, but I can't find where he told me who the sponsor is. Uh, so I, there is going to be a sponsor this week, and I will give them an extra shout-out um, for this week as well. But nonetheless, we will definitely have a sponsor. And if there isn't, and I know there is because Rudy told me there was one. He just – I can't find the email in which he told me. Um, then we'll give away a CDT prize pack if we do not have something. And the CDT prize pack, of course, is our Coffee Cup of Divine Providence signed by the CDT team and some other goodies uh, but if not, we will also have, um, uh, if not that, then there will be a different prize that Rudy has organized for us. Uh, so make sure you call in this week and tune in tomorrow to know the details. So I'll get that all taken care of. Now, that number, 877-757-9424. So make sure that you are on us um, and we will be able to give away that prize uh, today. So we're looking forward to that. Um, now. If, for whatever reason, you're not able to get that number in, well, make sure you join us on our website because there we have the number listed. You could add it to your speed dial so you can always make sure that you are the first caller. Okay, so joining us right now is Daniel. Good morning to you, Daniel. 
Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Praise be to God. Too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. Uh, how are you? Where are you? Where are you calling in from? Uh, Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Praise be to God. You're listening, I guess, there in the D.C. area. Close to it. Close uh, to it. Like uh, I would say, thirty minutes from D.C. Praise be to God. We'd love to hear it. I'm glad that you're tuning in. Where are you off to this morning? Just uh, running a little errands before I go to work. Ah, praise be to God. Where, what do you do for work? Uh, are you uh, a senator? Are you going to drive into the White House? Uh, uh, Secret Service, no, maybe? Not, no. I work for a financial institution. Okay, praise be to God. Praise be to God. I would love to hear it. Now, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Yes, I, I not in the past a while ago. I didn't win. You know, so I'm trying to second time around. Hopefully the charm. All right. Well, then let's hope that this time is the time that we draw your name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, but God bless you. Thank you very much for calling in. Uh, before we jump in, I have to ask, uh, did you do anything exciting or fun this weekend? Oh, yes. Uh, I, uh, by the grace of God, a big time miracle. Um, my family right now is going through a little tough time. Um, but, um, we were able to get together, get together with you know all my kids. Uh, by the grace of God, um, I have seven kids, and uh, we were able to get together with my uh, my parents. Hey, uh, that was a very nice time. we spent time you know having breakfast. Amen. Praise be to God. I love to hear it. What a blessing. Uh, we'll be definitely praying for your family. And uh, what a uh, thank you for yeah. being so generous and having so many children. That is a, such a blessing. Uh, so thank you for that. It's my wife. <laughs> yes, thank you to you and your wife, especially your wife, uh, for her generosity as well. Uh, but God bless you. All right, you're familiar with the game. You know how to play. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, you got to be careful because uh, you may know how to play the game, but do you know how Brent will answer is a question? So let's jump into it. Uh, Brent, the first question for you. The question on the board is, how are dominations choir of angels depicted the domination choir of angels are picted adrian mm -hmm. with a crown with a crown you say which so makes saying, sense if you think about it because they have know, dominion because they have dominion that so would make sense he who has dominion wears a symbol of that authority and they are depicted as being crowned well, praise be to God. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm following. I'm picking up what you're putting down, as one might say. And I'm seeing that, uh, that what you're trying to go for there. Now, the question on the board, Daniel, is how are Dominions, the Choir of Angels, depicted in art? 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, Brent says that they are depicted with a crown on their head. And it makes sense because they have Dominion. Uh, what say you, Daniel, from Northern Virginia? Uh, I say he's not correct. You say he's not correct. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> All right. He's sure. Let's see. Oh, I'm so sorry, Daniel. In fact, oh. he was being honest. Uh, his See, the problem with Brent is he has a really good poker face. He has the exact same face, no matter he's trying to be tricky or whether or not he's not. And so he's like... He could have said, oh, yeah, he's wearing, uh, he wears a pickle hat, and uh, he would have said it in the exact same way. He'd be like, oh, yes, he wears a pickle hat I on his head. <laughs> I was trying to remember, you know, all the angels that I've seen in pictures, and I, I don't remember one scene with crowns, so that's why I went with that. <laughs> ah, I see, I see. I have well, to sympathize with him on that. I, I have to admit, I, 
most of the time, I don't think the angels are depicted as wearing crowns. Yeah, because typically we depict angels, we depict the archangels, the guardian angels, and not too often we depict dominions. That's pretty, uh, pretty niche, pretty uh, narrow topic, I would say. I think- well, don't worry, Daniel. You did great. Um, I'm sure you're going to get the, the other two correct. So I'm looking at these other questions, and I think you'll do great. So are you ready for question number two? I'm going to go with the uh, yep, – okay, you're, you're, he's ready. He's ready. All right, let's go into it, Dan. All right, Daniel, it's question number two for you, Brent. Are you ready, Brent? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. How does Christ decrease or remove our fear of death? This one's pretty basic, Adrian. Oh, is it? Even non-Catholics, I think, would be able to answer this one. Oh, wow. That's a bold claim. Jesus promises to raise us from the dead at the end of time. That's true. He does do that, doesn't he? He absolutely does. Oh, that's true. That's, that's the whole point, point, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. He uh, conquered death. He that's conquered a, death. All right. All right, Daniel. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, how does Christ decrease or remove our fear of death? Well, Brent says... It's simple, Adrian. Even a Protestant could get this one right. He promises to raise us from the dead at the end of time. What say you, Daniel, from Northern Virginia? It's true. It's true. All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct! Way to go, Daniel. You're nailing it. Praise be to God. Uh, that's a that's a 50% success rate so far, so you're doing pretty good. Uh, you only need one chance to win. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right, let's jump into it, this question. Oh, we'll see. We'll see how you do. Brent, the question on the board. You you used to be, uh, are you still an acolyte? I was never an acolyte. Never I, was an acolyte. A, I, I, I was a lector. Oh, like, you're technically, elect- I still am, but okay. we have a lot. Okay. All right. I see. I see. Been a lector for you, years. Do you ever serve mass? Never. Really? So I've got to teach you how to serve mass. Yeah, I've become more interested in that recently. Yeah. Well, to do that uh, for the after show. For the after show. The question is, what is the name for the small white linen cloth that's used during the mass to cleanse and dry the chalice? Yeah, it- Every Catholic who's been to Mass and looks up at the altar afterwards sees the priest cleaning the chalice with a small white cloth. Adrian, that is called the mandare cloth. Mandare oh. is Latin for cleanse. The mandare cloth. The mandare cloth, you say. All Latin right. for cleanse. Latin for cleanse. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. You know, I've always you know thought of something else but uh, mondari cloths makes a lot of sense i guess all right 15 you seconds on the clock I, daniel <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock daniel the question on the board what is the name of the small white linen cloth that's used during the math the math during the math during the mass with an s to cleanse and dry the chalice you know it just reminded me of a a joke i heard one time someone said um uh, mass is the only time you ever see men do the dishes uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Daniel. The Brent says the the answer is the Mandare cloth. Ooh, mysterious. I, I kind of like that name. Interesting. Never heard that. And what say you, Daniel? Is he right or is he wrong? He's wrong. He is what? Is that? He's wrong. He's wrong. All right. Let's see. Survey says. That is correct. Way to go, Daniel. Could not trick you. Do you know what the correct answer is, by chance? Yes, I do. What is it? I think. Purifier? Yes, that's correct. It's uh, the purificator. 
uh, purifier could be another way of saying it. But uh, the purificator is, in fact, the cloth that we're talking about here. It's kind of self-explanatory. It purifies the chalice. It purifies the chalice in the, the ciborium. So uh, way to go, Daniel. You could not be tricked. You got a two for three. That is pretty good odds, I would say. How do you feel? I feel good. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, uh, make sure you... I'm sorry. Just, I just want to say thank you for doing this. It's kind of fun to listen to you guys. So, you know, I try to listen to you every day ah, on my way to work. Well, praise be to God. We love to hear it. Thank you very much for saying so. Uh, we appreciate you uh, calling in. Uh, we'll make sure you stay online because we're going to make sure we uh, get your contact information. We'll have um, Taylor get your contact info so we can send you the prize should we draw your name out tomorrow. Uh, but God bless you. God love you. And have a safe uh, trip and a uh, glorious day, a glorious week. Send to you guys and continue to what you're doing. Spread the gospel. Amen. Amen. We're going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, you can hop on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, and you can interact with us directly. We'd love to know what your comments are about the show. Whatever it is that you want to talk about, we'll talk about. But particularly, if you want to talk about anything we talked about on the show today, I'd be very curious to know what your thoughts were. Uh, But God bless you. God love you. If not, if you're not going to join us in the after show, then we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. This morning we are celebrating Monday of the 25th week of Ordinary Time. The Mass is being offered for all those joining us on Guadalupe Radio Network and those joining us online. Alleluia, sing to Jesus, is the scepter, is the throne. Alleluia, is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion Thunder like a mighty flood Jesus out of every nation Hath redeemed us by his blood In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who founded all the commands of your sacred law upon love of you and of our neighbor, grant that by keeping your precepts we may merit to attain eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the beginning of the book of Ezra. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord inspired King Cyrus of Persia to issue this proclamation throughout his kingdom, both by word of mouth and in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord, the God of heaven, has given to me, and he has also charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Therefore, whoever among you belongs to any part of his people, let him go up, and may his God be with him. Let everyone who has survived in whatever place he may have dwelt be assisted by the people of that place, with silver, gold, goods, and cattle, together with freewill offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and Levites, everyone that is whom God had inspired to do so, prepared to go up to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors gave them help in every way, with silver, gold, goods, and cattle, and with many precious gifts besides all their free will offerings. The Word of the Lord. The Lord has done marvels for us. The Lord has done marvels for us. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. The Lord has done marvels for us. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We were glad indeed. The Lord, the Lord has, has done, done marvels, marvels for us. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. The Lord, the Lord has, has done, done marvels, marvels for us. us. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, 
they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. The Lord, the Lord has, has done, done marvels for us. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the crowd, no one who lights a lamp conceals it with a vessel or sets it under a bed. Rather, he places it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not become visible and nothing secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. To anyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he seems to have will be taken away. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's Gospel speaks to us about the light, even refers to a light from which nothing will be hidden, but everything will be visible, nothing secret that will not be known and come to light. It's interesting that in our kind of day-to-day -day dialogue, light typically just refers to the spectrum of light which we human beings can use our eyes to be able to see. But from the perspective of the science of physics, light is really electromagnetic radiation and the frequency or wavelength which produces visible light to our eyes is actually just a very, very small spectrum. And beyond that, you have all sorts of other spectrums, things like radio waves, things like x-rays. And in that sense, I think it kind of provides for us a sort of analogy to say that, you know, for we human beings, what we're able to see in this world in terms of things, interconnectedness to God and the dependency of all of creation in our lives on God, we're somewhat limited because our spectrum of view is limited. But the light of Jesus Christ, if you would imagine, it is going to cover that entire spectrum of frequencies and wavelengths. And perhaps we could say that, you know, just as an x-ray can see what the naked eye doesn't see by penetrating through your flesh to see what's happening in the bones, and just like a radio wave can carry sound waves and have them transmitted and then received so that they can be heard miles and miles away, well, this is analogous to the light of Christ. Nothing is hidden from it. It sees all, even the things which are not observable to the naked human eye. The light of Christ also is like a radio wave which hears all. In a way we could say, and not to terrify us, but it simply is the reality, every single action of our lives and every single word we've spoken, in the light of Christ, it is going to be visible and audible. It's going to be known. This really is kind of an image of the judgment. Before the light of Jesus Christ who sees all 
Everything will be laid bare of our life. Nothing will be hidden. Every word spoken, every action conceived. Christ will be able to see all of it. And in the perfect light of his truth, we too now will be able to see exactly what we've made of our own lives and what our actions and words have said about who we are. None of that really should terrify us, but it simply reminds us that we are called to live in the light. You know, for we human beings, as Jesus says in today's kind of parable, it's absurd to have a light or a lamp and then to go and bury it or cover it. But you know, the light of Christ is really the light of truth. And we live in a world which wants to take the truth of God, to take the truth of Christ, and to try to bury it as far under the ground as possible so that all that will be left are kind of man-made illuminations which are imposters to the truth of God and ultimately are things which lead people away from happiness and fulfillment in life into a different direction. For we Christians in our baptism, we've received the light of Christ, which means we've received the light of truth and the light of grace. Yeah, we're limited in how we can express it, but we are called every day of our lives to try to see more and more the dependency and interconnectedness of how God's goodness and love pervades in our life, pervades upon the world. And the beauty is, the more that we're able to see that, the more we're able to see with the light of Christ, our scope of vision begins to grow. And more and more we can see how everything in our life is dependent upon God. More and more we can see how God is acting in other people's lives. And more and more we can see the goodness of God prevailing throughout creation and prevailing throughout our lives. But the only way to do it is to see through the light of Jesus Christ. He is the Word made flesh. He is the fullness of truth who came among us. And in the light of Jesus, we're able to see even in the dark spots of our own lives or in the dark spots of humanity to allow his truth to shine and to recognize what is the truth about the good to be done and the evil to be avoided. And in being able to make such choices, we can shape our lives so that when we come before Christ at the end of our lives in the light of his perfect truth, we will be laid bare to say, Lord, we have radiated your light, we've lived in your light, we have welcomed your light, and now here in this moment we too are grateful to come into your eternal light. And so my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that our minds would always be filled with the light of his truth and that we would always strive to live in accordance with that light in all ways. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops for their physical and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the light of truth of Jesus Christ to enact just laws that would protect and safeguard human life at every phase and laws that would never transgress the truth of God, we pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering that they would be given consolation in their faith and the courage and perseverance to unite their sufferings with Christ on the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord 
for our family, friends, benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us on the Guadalupe Radio Network and online, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. For the grace to always strive to live fully in the light of Jesus Christ and to radiate his light in our life, we pray to the Lord. For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive with favor, O Lord, we pray, the offerings of your people, that what they profess with devotion and faith may be theirs through these heavenly mysteries, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in goodness you created man, and when he was justly condemned, in mercy you redeemed him through Christ our Lord. Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise as we acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenisun Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis, 
Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving thanks, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth, and where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feedeth. Let us pray. Graciously raise up, O Lord, those you renew with this sacrament, that we may come to possess your redemption, both in mystery and in the manner of our life, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. O Sanctissima, O Pissima, Dulcis Virgo Maria, Mater Amata, in temerata, ora, ora pro nobis. Virgo respice, mater aspice, Audi no so Maria. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, Thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Patrick from St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. <laughs> 